Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and I hope everybody had an absolutely lovely week 13 because fantasy football playoffs are right around the corner. And as always here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, we will keep you prepared each and every step along the way. Goal of this episode tonight is to recap everything that just happened from all these afternoon games, all 11 of them. And as always, I am joined by none other than PFF Senior Analyst Dwayne McFarland to break down all the action. Dwayne, how's your Sunday? Good man. This that that late slate like got really good at the end. Like that was exciting watching the, the Pittsburgh Ravens ending, and then as well as the 49ers and the Seahawks. Uh, ended up being some decent games today, even though like everything looked like it was going to be lopsided early. It was a bad 1 p.m. slate in terms of close games for the most part, other than, you know, the Lions shocking the world, getting that W, so good for them. At least we had some points being scored, though. But, yes, I agree, 4 p.m., a company more than good. But enough small talk, Dwayne. Let's get into everything here. Starting off, and as always, as we go through this, I'm going to kind of go through some things that stuck out to me from watching the games, both good and sheesh-worthy, go through some injuries as, as they've arriven, maybe give a cool PFF Louis stat or two, and then throw it on over to Dwayne for his award Winning context matters utilization metrics. So without further ado, let's get after it. Chargers took down the Bengals 41 to 22, covering as a two and a half point dog, the over cash with ease at 50. Great to see Justin Herbert thrown deep again. Oh, and look, the Chargers put up 40 points in the offense. It uh, looks great. Funny how that works. Immediately, you could tell that Herbert was having, you know, this new kind of not New York state of mind, good song, but he was playing in Cincinnati, a Cincinnati state of mind, if you will, hit Mike Williams for two bombs early and then threw a long touchdown to Jalen Guyton, who just was able to outjump the defender. These weren't like awesome throws by Justin Herbert by any stretch. I mean, I would agree with the notion that Joe Burrow actually had the better game, all things considered, but Hey, when Herbert throws deep, he has guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Guyton, Josh Palmer. He has all these guys that can go up and make great plays, not to even mention their big body tight ends. Obviously we'd like to see that continue to happen not without its fair worth of sheeshes though because we had in this one Jalen Guyton almost have a second touchdown got ruled just short of the goal line we also had Donald Parham get open near the goal line he was a better ball touchdown away from a short score and Josh Palmer got open deep on a third and forever would have needed to be an amazing throw from Herbert but you could imagine either way Justin Herbert 317 through the air three scores two of which went to Keenan inside the 20 yard line another good game from Herbert and hey we haven't seen many of these games over the past six weeks so good to see for this now seven and five Chargers team over with Joe Burrow though man early on like he was in a zone it seemed like but the problem was Jamar Chase maybe thought it was a college ball whatever it was but he had one of the worst drops of the day could have should have would have been a 50 plus yard house call unfortunately it just went right off his hands but that didn't stop Burrow from at least competing for a little bit he found his way into the end zone as a rusher threw a dime down the middle to T Higgins for another touchdown had a nice one down the sideline the Boyd and this was mostly happening after he suffered a nasty dislocated pinky on his his throwing hand it looked like it might take him out of the game for a little bit he was grimacing on the sideline and all that he did come back right in though and it really didn't seem to impact him uh, for the worse again it was more so his receivers that were screwing him on the week only Zach Wilson was charged with more total drops than Burrow had to deal with so Joe Mixon did find his way into the end zone unfortunately had a back-breaking fumble uh, that the Chargers really took the took back the other way uh, to really seal things off Austin Eckler put the ball on the ground twice too uh, yeah a lot to go on on in this one final note is just some of these injuries again mentioned Joe Burrow with the dislocated throwing pinky badly swollen but it didn't seem to impact his throwing Mixon suffered a neck injury but he did come back into the game he handled his usual load 
T. Higgins briefly had an ankle injury, got horse collar to look bad. He came back into the game. Austin Eckler seemingly limped off at the end of the game, although I didn't see anything in the follow-up press conferences to make us believe that serious. And finally, Joey Bosa left in the first half with a head injury. So quickly, uh, before I throw it to you, Dwayne, just want to again stress how great that Herbert deep ball was and how much it had been missing. Because in five games since the Chargers' week seven by weeks eight through 12, Herbert was just six for 11 throwing deep for 185 yards and two scores. In week 13 alone, he was five for seven, throwing at least 20 yards downfield, 188 yards with a touchdown. So that was great to see. And Dwayne, it was also great to see Mike Williams' targets get back up there because for so much of this kind of second half of the season so far, it's really been Keenan Allen, the undisputed number one, Mike Williams, the number two, much more of a 1A, 1B today. Yeah. I mean, I thought we were going to have a huge game from Williams because it was like in the, I think the first, like two or three drives, like he was already at four catches. He ended up at five for 110, uh, but he did have seven targets. You had eight targets to Keenan Allen. So yeah, it was more of a 1A, 1B. 24% target share to Keenan today, 21% to Mike Williams. Williams still with a deep rate at 14.4 and a 10.1 to Keenan Allen. Nothing really, you know, standing out to me on the Charger side as far as anything different, right, to really point out to folks. Um, but over on the Bengals side, you know, we did get another huge week out of T. Higgins, 14 targets, nine receptions, 138 yards, one touchdown. Um, looking at, you know, these last couple of weeks, like we we talked about Higgins really for probably the last, what, six weeks, <clears throat> saying that this was really kind of a minute. Um, and so, I mean, that's we're just seeing it come to fruition. You know, 3.07 yards per route run today. And what's interesting is Jamar Chase is actually, like, they're kind of using them more interchangeably. Like, T. Higgins is the guy working down the field more over the last couple of games. Um, again, his dot today was 13.7 versus Jamar Chase at 8. So they're actually using these players, you know, interchangeably all over the field, which is more like what we used to see with the Rams offense, you know, back in the day um, when Zach Taylor was there. So that makes sense to us. Um, but T. Higgins, I think everybody, you know, we've already been calling him a low end wide receiver too, you know, really the rest of the way. Well, they should feel really confident in that after today, after another huge game. Joe Mixon, um, you know, we had talked about this a couple times. You know, he's been doing really well. He's living on the touchdowns. You know, he's been scoring two a game. He did come through for you with a touchdown today on the ground, 19 carries, 54 yards. Um, he did have a fumble as well. So there was a little bit more Samaj P. Ryan, though, because of the game script. You know, the Bengals got down early in this game. And so 100% of the long down and distance went to Samaj P. Ryan, 0% to Joe Mixon, 33% of the two-minute offense to Joe Mixon, 67% of the two-minute offense to Samaj P. Ryan. So we've talked about Mixon before and saying, like, look, it's just at the point where he's on a good offense, you know, things are clicking. You're not going to obviously bench him. You know, he's been a sell high for me. And this was the worry. But I mean, look, he's he's still, you know, a mid-range RB1. You know, he's going to get all the carries inside the five on a good offense. So it's nothing where you got to freak out. But just know that he can get scripted out of these games a little bit. If he hadn't have come through with the touchdown today, we would have been we would have been really upset because it would have been 5.4 points on the ground minus the fumble. He only had one target and zero receptions today. So that's just the thing you got to watch out for with Mixon. And you said it on Higgins and Chase being largely interchangeable in recent weeks. And it's really been that way all year when they've been playing together. Ten games with both of them active. Higgins, 81 targets. Chase, 73. Nobody else is over that middle range in the 50s. So keep an eye on that Higgins injury. Dwayne, I know as you've mentioned throughout the year, we don't get these games where all three of them ball out. But God forbid something does happen to Higgins or Chase. That's when Tyler Boyd can really get back into business. 
Mentioned it in the intro, but the Lions took down the Vikings 29-27, covering as a seven-point dog, the overcash at 47 and a half. Last, there was four seconds left, golf dropped back, and for whatever freaking reason, the Vikings did not defend the goal line. They decided to defend three yards into the end zone, setting up the game-winning touchdown for Amon Ra St. Brown. It was a great game for the rookie, 10 catches and 86 yards in addition to that score. But how about Jared Goff, man? He actually made a good four or five throws that had the PFF office like, not ironically like cheering for the guy like usually it's just kind of joking about Stafford looking like golf and this or that like slander that you know guys just will do when you're watching football but today man just down the seam time and time again he got a touchdown to Hawkinson he had a big game before that he threw another touchdown down the seam uh, to Brock Wright because of course you got to keep Brock Wright involved in the game plan but it was really more far more good than bad from golf which is tough to say uh, you know on the 2021 season so overall Jared Goff first win without Sean McVay as his head coach. Credit to you, Jared Goff, got that monkey off your back. And, you know, pretty much good things, though, from the guys that we hope for in Detroit. Hawkinson, 49 yards, also caught that touchdown. Jamal Williams, he only had 90 total yards, or excuse me, 80 total yards, but it was on 18 touches. We saw Jamar Jefferson, you know, only a little bit as involved with him only getting five touches, and Goblin was uh, pretty far reduced. So, hey, it was a game where, no, Jamal didn't find the end zone. He didn't completely blow up, but the usage was what we were expecting. As long as Swift uh, remains out, we're going to continue to fire up Jamal as a mid-tier to upside RB2 in fantasy land. And then the Vikings side of things, I mean, look at Madison. He had a similar workload, a little bit more enhanced. He did find the end zone. He did go for 124, just continuing to prove that basically when Dalvin Cook is out, you know, if you just want to pretend that's now Alexander Madison and not adjust anything else, you're going to be in a pretty good spot because that is what Madison has given to us without Cook in the lineup. Uh, also, Kirk Cousins, this really wasn't on him. I mean, on our PFF show, Eric actually predicted the Lions uh, were going to win this one outright. So credit to, you know, PFF's resident PhD uh, mathematician for calling that one out. I guess we should maybe listen to what he has to say from time to time. But the thesis behind it was like that Kirk Cousins was going to have one of these bad Kirk Cousins games. Wasn't exactly the case. 340 yards, two touchdowns, despite not really having Adam Thielen for the overwhelming majority of this game. He did leave early with an ankle injury and that allowed Justin Jefferson to get 14 targets. He caught 11 of them for 100 82 yards and a touchdown. Also, Kirk had a nice touchdown to KJ Osborne down the middle, showing off the rocket on more than a few occasions and did enough to win in this one. I mean, if you're going to give up 29 points to the Lions, uh, you deserve to lose more weeks than nine for Kirk to only have one, uh, you know, turnover on a fumble. I don't think he played nearly bad enough to lose, although I'm sure he'll get most of the, you know, slander from mainstream media and all that. Only a real sheesh from this one. Tyler Conklin, who had a big game, seven catches for 56 yards, could have been even bigger. He mossed a dude in the end zone, came down. They originally ruled it a touchdown. Upon further review, his second foot was just out of so good game from Conklin and Dwayne. Like if we're going to see Thielen miss time for a little while, first of all, it's going to be tough to keep Jefferson out of like our top three, hell, our top one receivers. Okay. It's Cooper cup, but top three, top five, whatever. You know what I mean? Conklin's going to help. And maybe just maybe, you know, someone like KJ Osborne can also begin to give us a little bit of fancy value. Yeah, man. Um, looking at it today, you know, with Conklin, he was actually out there for 79% of the routes, 22% of the targets, 
um, you know, which is the highest he's had in several weeks. He's had a, he's had a couple of games where he's been around around the 20% mark. Um, so I, I do think that he's a low end tight end one, you know, in any week that we don't have, you know, Adam Thielen out there because we know that the Vikings don't always want to run 11 personnel or will only run 12 or willing to run 21. KJ Osborne did see his spike, his route spike though, up to 94%. So he did play outside and DD Westbrook got on the field to play in the slot 60% of the routes. Osborne was, you know, kind of involved as well. 17% of the targets working mostly, you know, underneath a dot of 7.4. Conklin was a five. And then you got really Justin Jefferson working down the field at a 13.6. So, yeah, I think, you know, whenever you look at, um, you know, Conklin, low end tight end one, you look at Osborne, it's going to be more like a, not something I think we're really going to want to, you know, trust Ian, but you know, he could, he could be a low end wide receiver three. I would think of him as a wide receiver four though. And just depending on matchup and what else you have going on in your lineup, you know, if we do see that, you know, Thielen is going to miss time, which like you said, he was knocked out. Like it might've been like after the second or third drive that yeah. Thielen was knocked out of this game. Really He's early. only out there for 9% of the routes and 8% of the snaps today. And then on um, from an Alexander Madison standpoint, yeah, he got everything we expected. 86% of the snaps, 66% of the routes, 83% of the rushing attempts, 100% short down and distance, 58% of the long down and distance, and 100% of the two-minute offense. Like that's what you want to see from an every down back, and you got it today from Madison. I know we thought he might smash, you know, even a little bit more than what he did, you know, with it being the Lions. But hey, that's what really good backs that are on the field all the time do. Even though you may not have the greatest game ever, he still came through, scored you a touchdown. He was active in the passing game too. Three targets, uh, three receptions, 34 yards. Um, only a 7% target share, but 10% targets per route run. Um, we did see um, Kenny and Wangu. And am I saying this right, Ian? You're asking the wrong <laughs> guy, Dwayne. I, 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 I was trying to look it up before the show. Um, and I was like, damn it, I'm not going to get to it in, fine, in time. And I'm going to have another one when I get to the Lions. Nguyen <laughs> uh, Wu. Anyway, we'll whatever. roll with that. <laughs> we'll roll with that. That's a tongue twister, even if you you know know how to say it. Sixty uh, percent targets per route run. So he was out there a little bit, but not really enough. More more really special team stuff. Um, but on the Lions side of the ball, Jamal Williams. What was interesting, he did lead the team in the rushing attempts, sixty five percent. But he didn't have the every down role that we thought he was going to have. He's only only played forty seven percent of the snaps. No. Only in a route, twenty four percent. So really, Jamal Williams. You think back to his time with the Packers. What do you think of? all that time that he blocked Aaron Jones from a passing down roll. Well, now he gets over to the Lions and you have DeAndre Swift out. And it's like, no, Jamal Williams is kidding. You're just going to continue to be really the early down back. I mean, obviously he took over the carries that DeAndre Swift left behind as well. So it wasn't just a game script thing. But I don't know how much we know that for sure, Ian, because this was a game where the Lions managed to keep it pretty close, stayed in there. So it wasn't like their normal situation where they're just getting blown out, right, immediately. So when you look at Jamal Williams, uh, 60% of the short down and distance, but only 33% of long down and distance, 0% of the two-minute offense. That went to Igwebuike. Igwib. <laughs> this is terrible. Igwebuike. Anyway, this I, I'm actually embarrassed like right now. So yeah, this simulation we're living in is getting tough with some of these things. Yeah, I'll just it. go with Godwin. <laughs> there um, we go. 
you know, it's uh, I I'll, I'll work on these folks, but didn't have time to get to them all today. <laughs> I did hear his name actually get pronounced in the game, but I forgot how the guy pronounced it. Um, so he was actually out there though for Godwin was out there for one hundred percent of the two minute offense, fifty six percent. Yeah, fifty six percent of the long down. Don't mess with people, Ian. Fifty six percent of the long down distance. Um, so he really handled more of the passing down role, and then it was really uh, Jamar Jefferson just backing up. Jamal Williams and handling the other 19% of the rushing attempts. So it does look like it's probably a three-way committee oh. if we don't have DeAndre Swift. Really, really more of a two-way. You know, the, uh, Jamar Jefferson wasn't out there a ton. He was just – he's more of the second guy up. I think if Jamal Williams went down, Jamar Jefferson's the next player up. And I think Godwin is really taking over more of the, the Swift role. We don't know what would happen if, if Swift missed another game or two and we actually see the Lions just getting beat really badly. Would that mean more snaps? For Godwin, like what we've seen, you know, with DeAndre Swift in the past, I think that's a possibility. I would like to think that the Lions would try to figure out how to keep Jamal Williams on the field, but it is the Lions, Ian. Yeah. You know, you would think, you know, Jamal Williams seems like a great knee buyer. You know, so I don't <laughs> no. know why they don't. I don't, I don't know out there biting kneecaps, but um, for the receivers, Josh Reynolds again uh, for the third week in a row saw uh, routes over eighty percent. He was the third most targeted lion today, though. You had uh, 32% go to Amon Ross St. Brown, and he had 12 targets in, 10 receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown. By far his best game of the season as a rookie. And then you had second on the team, TJ Hawkinson, 22% of the targets, 32% of the air yards. TJ Hawkinson led the way. Hawkinson had a touchdown really early in this game. He had a shot, you know, close to another one. So he had a chance for an even bigger day. But eight targets, four receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown for TJ Hawkinson. This was against one of the worst secondaries in the league and Eric Kendricks oh, yeah, was out. Terrible. So let's not overreact too much to some of these Detroit Lions uh, passing totals. But hey, man, with that said, kudos to them. They got that monkey off their back, got that W. Real quick, Dwayne, because again, after what you told me about the, you know, beyond the box score utilization. I want to completely change what I said about uh, Jamal Williams the rest of the way. <laughs> Certainly looking more like someone that's probably going to be ranked in that 20 to probably like, you know, RB 25 range as opposed to that mid-tier RB2, I was saying. Would you agree with that? Or, yeah, are you going to go with low-end RB2 or borderline RB2? Like, which one are you Ooh. choosing? You could use either, you know. I just you know want to see which I'm, one. I'm going to wait until Tuesday, Dwayne. I'm going I'm <laughs> to think it over. Keep it. Okay, I like it. We're gonna keep that. Hey, that's, that's what we call a tease in the business. <laughs> Uh, final note that I have here is just that Alexander Madison, you know, not only is he getting the volume, but he actually was making the most out of it. So I want to get that clear. Five broken tackles on the ground this week. Only Jonathan Taylor had more. Not saying Alexander Madison is good as Jonathan Taylor. He's also a little bit more than just a volume-based RB1. Gotta yep. love that. Tampa Bay Buccaneers took down the Atlanta Falcons 30 to 17, covering as an 11 point favorite. The undercashed at 51. Shouldn't have been this close. Uh, pretty much the only mistake Tom Brady made on the afternoon was a really bad pick six right before halftime. Tried to throw a quick screen to, I believe, Fournette. Might have been uh, Giovanni Bernard and defensive lineman. Made a sick one handed catch. Took about two more steps and he was in the end zone. But other than that, Brady, 368 yards, four touchdowns against a Falcons secondary that he absolutely owns. Since he has played the Falcons now in four games since joining the Bucs, Brady has thrown 15 touchdowns in those games. Matt Ryan only has 16 touchdowns this entire season. So that's what Brady is doing to the Falcons. And a lot of it was going to Chris Goblin. 17, 17 targets, people. We caught 15 of them for 143 scoreless yards. Mike Evans caught seven of his 10 targets for 99 scoreless yards. Where are all the scores going? Of course, Rob Gronkowski caught two 
of his four targets, four touch, excuse me, two of his four receptions, one for touchdowns, ended up finishing with 58 yards. And of course, our guy Leonard Fournette had to pitch in seven catches, 48 yards, and another score himself. And it was a nice one too, man. One-handed catch. Leonard Fournette is, you know, I think he's a legit good receiving back now. Maybe it's just a big time factor playing with Brady, but really when he had those, you know, gaudy numbers in Jacksonville, I thought m- m- most of his receiving ability was just super volume dependent. I didn't think he was anyone that could be construed as a good receiver, but I was wrong. Like I've been many times and like I will be many times again. So great to see Fournette just emerging as one of the most matchup proof backs in the league. Some of you still sent me start sick questions, with Leonard Fournette this morning, stop doing that. I was nice. I said Leonard Fournette, but just realize everyone top, Five, eight running back, whatever he is, start him every single week, even if there is a fire. Start pretty much everyone from this Tampa Bay offense if you can help it because they are that good. So, again, Brady, all these receivers, absolutely crushing it. The only sheesh I had for him was that Gronk honestly had a chance for a third touchdown early on, but there was a penalty, so he ended up just getting them closer to the goal line uh, regardless. I think Fournette capped that drive off on it f- f- with a touchdown. On the Falcons' uh, side of things, wasn't you know our best performance from Matt Ryan. Took five sacks uh, wasn't able to clear the 300 yard mark on 41 attempts and didn't find the end zone but he did enable a guy that Dwayne you were able to really change my mind and I hope the listeners minds about this week Russell Gage who yeah we had some goose eggs earlier in the year but don't look now he's really starting to establish himself as the number one receiver in this offense he caught 11 of his 12 targets for 130 yards nobody else had over 50 I want to give Kyle Pitts some credit, though, because we have been hard on him on this podcast because he hasn't been producing uh, very much. Again, only one touchdown the whole year, and it came against a Jets defensive lineman. He almost had, like, one of the best plays I've seen uh, from a player at his position, though. He caught a pass for, like, 10 yards, stiff-armed a dude to the ground, hurdled the guy, said defender, on the ground, and it looked like he was off the races for about a 60-yard touchdown. Just barely stepped out of bounds by about an inch. So Kyle Pitts is, you know, flashing from time to time. That ability still remains just 21 years of age. I don't think we need the whole fantasy community like doing these 17 game pace receiving yard stats to try to prove to everyone, you know, how right the process was. We get it. I don't think there's anyone out here, you know, in August that was saying, for the love of God, don't draft Kyle Pitts. He's not even a top 10 tight end. You know, I think it's a fairly uh, unanimous L, if you want to call it that, uh, based on the entire community, really rallying behind them. Either way, uh, I still think he'll have a bright future ahead of him, just maybe not consistently in 2021. At least we got our guy Cordero Patterson, though, chipping in 78 rushing yards, another 18 receiving yards. His 39-yard run, like, I will have that all 22 out tomorrow morning because it was gorgeous. But, yeah, maybe not the biggest game for CPAT. But you know what, Dwayne? Kings stay Kings. He's trying to learn the defensive playbook as well. We can't expect CPAT to win every game for this Atlanta Falcons franchise, but Lord knows he will continue to try. Only um, injuries I really saw. Goblin got hurt early but then came back so that was good to see and ronald jones actually had to leave early due to an illness so i think that's why fournette uh, was actually dominating the snaps and touches a little bit more than usual so Dwayne, is that what you saw behind the box score like fournette just continuing to dominate usage and all facets of the game but i mean i say that but he's really been doing that more weeks than not anyway right yeah no he's completely script proof at this point i mean Gio bernard and ronald jones they had 10 percent of the snaps and three percent of the snaps Jeez. so just just not a factor six percent of the rushing attempts to jones six percent to geo 
But the short down the distance, 100% to Leonard Fournette, 75% of the long down the distance to Fournette. Of course, rushing attempts, 78%. Routes, 77%. I mean, Fournette is in some very, very, very elite company right now as far as his utilization. And like you said, he's actually playing pretty well right now. Today, 2.46 yards after contact. Didn't have any explosive runs, but very involved in the passing game. Um, 21% targets per route run, which is elite. 16% target share. Um, so you had eight targets, seven receptions, 48 yards, got in the end zone for you um, through the air. So just his involvement in the passing game, not just being out there for those downs, but there's just it's it feels like we're at that point where it's just going to Fournette's going to score at least a touchdown every single week is the way I feel. You're just in a really great offense. Gronkowski's leading all tight ends in the NFL in a targets per route run basis. Again, today looked really good at 21%. Only 16% of the team's target share overall, but like you mentioned, two touchdowns. He gets plenty of looks once they get down inside the end zone, inside the 10 and in the end zone. Those end zone shots, a lot of them go to Gronk. Um, you know, he may be slow, but those hands are still vice grips. They're so huge. Like when you see him catch the ball, it's just like with those white gloves, it's just like, I mean, it's a true giant scenario. Like his hands are like, I think 11 inches, like pinky to thumb, like the wingspan on him. He's just got huge hands. So um, Rashad Perryman, you know, empty stats today, but just something to keep an eye on with Antonio Brown, you know, out. I mean, it'd only be really one more game, um, but he was actually out there for 90% of the routes. It was not Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson only 13% of the routes. So if you've got a punt play um, next week for the Bucs, it probably would be Perriman. Wasn't targeted um, except on 6% of the occasions today, but we know Perriman, you know, he's got, he can, he can make a big play, you know, so he could always come through. And if Brady finds him in single coverage, you know, he's the type of quarterback that will identify it and take the shot. So just something to think about next week for DFS. You know, he'll probably be really cheap. Um, as far as the Falcons backfield, Mike Davis did come through um, because he scored a touchdown, 32 yards rushing, and he had a touchdown. He was, he was more involved in the passing game, had 15% or 10% of the targets today, 15% targets per route run, but only 18% of the team's rushing attempts. 55% of those still went to Cordell Patterson. Uh, he did best Patterson today in routes, 59% to 39%, which is the first time that he's done that in a while. And he was slightly above Patterson um, from a standpoint of snaps as well. But they're still designing more things for CPAT. And like you said, I mean, you know, CPAT's going to come through with big plays. Um, he's just, it's just more of a robust utilization anyway, as far as they can move him around, they can protect him from matchups. It's, it's just hard for CPAT to bust at this point. Like we've just seen him be too good for too long. But he had 26% targets per route run today so he continues to be when he's on the field even if he's not running a ton of routes which he's ran more lately it, it doesn't matter they make up for it by just figuring out like when he's out there they're going to get him the ball um russell gage so if you look at gage over the last three weeks target shares of 26 percent, 25 percent, and then today 31 percent. and he's had wide receiver finishes of 36 14 and then whatever he is today because i haven't had a chance to calculate it but gage um to be honest man like He's he's in he's a lock in the wide receiver three range. I mean, yeah. he's kind of pushing towards high end wide receiver three. He'll at probably this be point. top thirty with the buys coming next week, Stone. Yeah, three point two five yards per route run again today. One hundred percent of his cat of his pass of his passes thrown his way were catchable. So he and Matt Ryan, they are clicking right now. What was really nice was before this, really we had just seen Gage be more of the option against man coverage. Today, this was against a. I haven't got to see how much zone the Bucks ran today. So I mean, they could have they could have used more man. They have been getting healthier in their secondary, but you know, 
as far as trends go, the Bucks have been using you know zone a ton, and that's an area where they had seen them really not use Gage quite as much. But he was heavily utilized today, so with 11 receptions for 130 yards on 12 targets. Had some nice spins too. As long as Russell Gage does not hurdle things, yeah, just spinners so were good. Yeah, just yeah, he's got to avoid the triangle. Just just hit the circle. <laughs> Yes, exactly. All right, people, before we continue with these games, I just want to give a quick note. First of all, thank you to everyone that has reached out about doing the uh, listener interviews. We've already done a lot of those, and I have a bunch more in my DM inbox I need to get back out to. Please don't be offended if I don't answer your DM for a couple of days. I just only look through it a couple times a week. I will get to you. And again, I just really thank you all for the time, for the support, and uh, we will get that, continue to get that figured out. So thank you again to everyone that has volunteered. But we have another ask. And again, this is purely to help you all because the holiday season is here. And because the listeners to this podcast are the best of all the PFF podcasts, we just want your help to create a list of what PFF should build for you. We are looking for ideas to help build better PFF products to help make your experience better. So you can email us at contact at PFF.com. That's contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at PFF.com with the answers to these questions. What PFF feature do you love the most and what do you want most from PFF? Again, what PFF feature do you love the most and what do you want from PFF? Feel free to tell us which podcast sent you so we can put your ideas into the wish list for 2022. Just trying to make our product better for all of you. It's a win-win situation. Again, you can email us at, con- at contact at pff.com about which PFF feature you love the most and what you want most from PFF. Moving right along, Cardinals took down the Bears 33-22 to in this one, covering as an 8.5-point favorite, the overcashed at 43.5. Kyler is back. He looked every bit as fast as he usually did. Looked like the fastest guy on the field. Managed to find his way into the end zone twice because of that. Otherwise, though, we can pretty much throw out what happened in the passing game. This was an ugly game in Chicago that the Cardinals were up 14 to nothing very shortly into. We had Andy Dalton throwing a pick seemingly every time we dropped back to pass. Because of that, Kyler Murray only threw the ball 15 total times. So thank God one of those was to DeAndre Hopkins for a nice 20-yard touchdown down the sideline. Otherwise, basically everyone in this offense busted other than our guy, James Conner, who just keeps on playing great. Like if you, you know, if I had to talk about like how James Conner was going to work out this year, it for sure would have been under the idea that, okay, Edmonds gets hurt and then Conner just gets so much volume. He can't bust, which yeah, that has played into it, but he has looked good with this volume. He had one of the best scores of the day on that 23 yard touchdown catch made a one-handed snag where like he had to turn his body, broke a tackle and then found his way into the end zone. So Conner, man, he looks like he's playing like in the two forties, a dude's a truck out there, but he's also still showing some speed and some hand to boot great to see from connor chase edmonds is eligible to return off ir next week but even then it's gonna be tough to keep connor out of that upside rb2 conversation you know he's losing the pass down uh role will not help like i get that but at the same time he was already returning borderline rb2 value anyway because of all the touchdowns and who knows if edmonds is gonna get his usual rollback with the way connor has been humming think that's most of the notes from the Cardinals. I uh, He actually could have had, yeah, there was one down, down part for Connor. So he had the receiving score. He had a nice uh, breaking tackle run down to the one-inch line. And then the Cardinals, being g- good friends of James Connor, gave him back-to-back carries at the one-inch line, and he got stuffed both times. So that was the only negative for Connor. Could have been a two-touchdown day with just about another inch of yardage. Over on the Bears, yeah, Dalton, not one, not two, not three, four interceptions, tipped, 
were his fault. It was not a good showing. He did make the tackle on two of them. So at least Dalton doesn't need to have, you know, the nationwide scrutiny that Teddy Bridgewater had a couple of weeks ago. And we don't have to go down that uh, rabbit hole discussion again. So good job, Andy. You made those tackles. No one can take that away from you. But please, for the love of God, let Justin Fields take that starting job back once that rib injury is good to go. Jakeem Grant scored a touchdown. Dave Montgomery had a big day. Um, Jimmy Graham has no trade clause. And he scored a touchdown. And yeah, really, otherwise, the big guy in Chicago was David Montgomery and I'm happy Dwayne because we've been telling people to continue to trust David Montgomery because of how good his utilization is so had his initial goal line touchdown ruled short and then Jimmy scored that one so even though David Montgomery obviously didn't didn't disappoint with um, 141 yards and to score with those eight catches, just realize he, like, uh, you know, James Conner, was about one inch away from adding another uh, score to that tally. So, Dwayne, I'll throw it over to you. We can kind of start with Montgomery because we saw Khalil Herbert truly play some great ball when Montgomery was missing time, and Chicago does not care. David Montgomery right now is up there as one of the most single-featured backs in the league. Yeah, 81% of the rushing attempts, over 70% of the snaps again. 100% of short down and distance. They did get Khalil Herbert a little bit involved today, but still 60% of long down and distance, 60, 60% of the two-minute offense. He's in every down back. 45% target per route run. Good job, Andy Dalton. <laughs> Got to check it down. 23% target share today for David Montgomery. Uh, so he had nine targets. He had eight receptions for 51 yards. Um, got to play from the slot a little bit too. They move him around. Um, but yeah, like just an every down back. Um, as far as the rest of the Bears go, Cole Komet, um, you know, I know Dalton didn't give us a lot to cheer for, but this is multiple games in a row. Now, he did he did get hurt the last game, so he was kind of limited in practice all this week, so I was wondering what was going to happen, but he did have six targets, three receptions for 41 yards, out there 78% of the routes again, um, so he's been right around that 80% mark, and then targets per route run has been right around 20%, so he's getting close to the marks that we want to see, and also it's just kind of a dynasty thing. If Komet's someone that you're kind of waiting on, you know, you, you've got him on your roster, I mean, he does look like he might be starting to show signs of being, you know, that that promising prospect that some folks thought that he really would be. So we'll have to see. We got it to your point. We need to see, let's see what it looks like with real quarterback play. Yeah. Um, but he is out on the field enough that you can consider him even in DFS, you know, as, as something, if you're just wanting to pay down at tight end, I do feel comfortable enough that he's involved in the offense. Darnell Mooney, Still out there, 94% of the routes. Just wasn't his day in. And part of it all ties back to, you know, our guy, Andy Dalton. If you look at Darnell Mooney's dot today, it was just all the underneath stuff. It was 5.6. 0% of his targets came uh, 20 yards or more down the field. He did move all around the formation still. 52% of his routes came from the slot. So I like that. They just weren't able to push the ball down the field to Mooney. So it was kind of a spread out attack today for the Bears. 18% of the targets to Mooney, 18% to Bird, 18% to, to Grant, 15% to Komet. So just really more of a your typical Andy Dalton at this point in his career, right? Kind of dink and dunk game. Not to say Dalton never pushed it down the field. He used to with A.J. Green, just not doing it right here in Chicago. Um, as far as the Cardinals side, yeah, we'll have to wait and see um, what's going to go on with Chase Edmonds. Is he going to be back next week? He will be eligible, but I'm kind of with you, man. It's like, um, I mean, well, I know we'll have to treat Connor more as a low end, you know, RB2 until we know, but I just feel like at this point you should just roll with Connor. 
Like he just gives you uh, an element of that physicality, you know, in the running game that really Edmonds isn't going to give you. Edmonds is almost more of a mirror of what Kyler Murray gives you, right, as a runner. Obviously, Murray being the more elite of the two. But I think Connor is kind of like more like the thunder to go with the lightning of Kyler Murray um, and just, just gives you more functionality, I feel like, in your offense. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with it. But um, Connor played great today, 20 carries, 75 yards. Um, explosive runs of 10 yards or more on 10% of his carries, um, was involved in the passing game as well, 13% of the targets, but 67% of the rushing plays, 91% of the snaps out there all the time, 78% of the long down distance had everything. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, first game back, 83% of the routes, 74% of the snaps, only 13% of the targets, but you know, the Cardinals really never had to stretch their legs out in this game. Like as far as the passing game goes, they were up. You know, from the get on the Bears, their defense had the Bears number. Andy Dalton kept turning things over. So it was just never something where they had to utilize all of these weapons in the passing game. But we did see Christian Kirk dip back down, and we'd seen this before early in the season when you had Hopkins and Green and Kirk and then Rondell Moore working in. And it was before Zach Ertz. We had seen we had seen issues with Kirk kind of bouncing around, right? Is he going to be at 80%, 70% of the routes, or is he going to be at 60%? He was at 61% today. So he's going to get a downgrade in the utilization report. And it's it was it was kind of inevitable once you get all these guys back because it's such a rotation. Um, his target share wasn't bad, 20%, which actually led the team, um, but he was only able to turn one of those uh, targets into a reception. So that kind of tells you how much the Cardinals threw the ball. Three targets equaled 25, equaled 20% target share. They just did not have to throw the ball. So um, Rondell Moore, 61% of the routes, but the big one is really Zach Ertz, 78%. Um, because a lot of his routes come from the slot. So it was gonna it was interesting to me to see what happens once you get DeAndre Hopkins back. He's working outside. Christian Kirk needs to kick back inside. And this could flip-flop from week to week. But I think Ertz is really, once I dig into it more, Ertz is probably the biggest problem for Christian Kirk at this point because he's operating a lot of the time out of the slot, like I was saying. He didn't have that many targets today. And what I'm talking about is uh, Ertz. 78% of the routes, they're 13% target share. And uh, so that only comes out to two targets, one reception, 10 yards. So he definitely stunk it up in the box score. But the encouraging thing is still right at that 80% of the routes. Hopefully we, I know it hasn't been the season people were hoping for that drafted Deandre Hopkins as high as they did, but we got the Rams, the lions, the Colts and the Cowboys over these final four weeks. I would like to think the Rams Colts and Cowboys will force Kyler Murray to try to be Kyler Murray a little bit more often. That should lead to more production for nuke and everyone else involved. Dolphins took down the Giants to win their fifth straight game. How about that? Miami going to the bye, riding high, 20 to nine, covering as a seven point favorite, the under cashed at 40. So this Giants offense was predictably terrible. We talked about it all week against this blitz heavy defense, not having Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon just really didn't have too much of a chance back there. He took three sacks. He threw a pick. He tied with Taysom freaking Hill with a week high four turnover worthy plays. And we found out afterwards that he was playing through a concussion apparently or suffered it at the end of the game. One of the two, either way, not much to write home about, about this Giants passing game. Kenny Galladay actually did look like a little more spry, I think, than usual early on, beat Byron Jones for a gain or two and was out there actually making a contested catch or two. The problem was he then suffered a rib, ribs injury, returned, and whether it was him, Glennon, you know, the good coverage, just didn't see him really get going. Three catches for 37 scoreless yards on the day. Once Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony get back into action, it's going to be really difficult to trust Galladay as anything more than a throw up in your mouth wide receiver four. Saquon Barkley, 
11 carries, 55 yards. He also had six catches for 19 yards. So he's going to somewhat save his fantasy performance. Thanks to the reality that those six dump offs are equal to 60 rushing or, and or receiving yards. But, you know, just again, when he's playing in this Giants offense that seemingly can't crack 10 points, if they would try more weeks than not, we're just not going to get that top five upside that we were hoping for. Really cool moment from him, though, was he tried a spinning hurdle, which I have never seen anyone attempt before. So there were moments in this game, and we can go back to last week, too, when he busted a nice 32-yard run. Like, there were three or four plays in this one where it did kind of look like vintage Saquon breaking a tackle or two. The problem is, you know, you can break two tackles, and when there's three guys following them, uh, it's hard to expect all that much. So truly just another pathetic effort from the New York Giants. We were hoping for a bounce back with when you remember Jason Garrett from the equation that has not come to fruition generally other than Saquon who's going to continue to be a volume based RB2 if you can avoid starting people from this team I would try to do so over on the Dolphins though and they now enter their buy at six and seven to a largely very good game 244 yards two touchdowns they don't ask him to do all that much it's the most RPO heavy team in the league but they don't ask him to do that much because the offensive line really can't handle uh, having to do anything at all so really could have been a better game from to a hit Mike Jasicki right in the dome headshot for a potential 12 yard score bounced right off. So it was good coverage, but come on, that ball hits you in the head. You should be coming down with it and got an extra dagger into the Mike Jasicki fantasy managers when Mac Hollins proceeded to catch a touchdown and they ran the Jasicki graphic across it. It's always funny when they mess that up, Dwayne. No, I'm, I'm a victim too of the situation. Foster Moreau makes a catch and I'm like, oh, Hunter Renfro with a catch. Like, terrible but we make that mistake and this graphic guy made the same mistakes so just want to call his ass out for not doing his <laughs> job right there um Jalen Waddle's world we're just living in it nine catches for 90 yards on 11 targets but we also saw Devontae Parker back in action only had five targets but he caught all of them for 62 yards at least three or four of those man were some pretty nice contested deals he was playing well before he got hurt this year hopefully he can stay healthy obviously that's just been the story of his career but you know going into the bye if you see people parting ways Parker if Will Fuller's not going to be back in the equation I do think Parker could maybe start flirting with some low M wide receiver three goodness himself I mentioned Jaseki. he did come back he had another big drop as well could have been a much bigger day for Jaseki, but he did finish with seven catches 46 yards and still had 11 targets despite Parker being back in action so um got Waddle did leave um after he had a big catch down the middle when it looked worrisome for a second, went back in the tunnel. I'm hearing it was just cramps though. So he was back on the sideline running around looking good. You would like to think having a full bye week to recover Waddle will be back to providing his now usual upside wide receiver to goodness and week 15 and beyond mentioned the injuries. And yeah, just real quickly on Waddle, his 17 game pace this year, 112 receptions, 1,110 receiving yards and 6.5 total touchdowns. Dwayne, on the one hand with Waddle, I do wonder if in future versions of the offense, if he will be this much of a target hog, because let's face it, you know, his yards per reception, yards per target aren't the best in the world. I would understand if maybe they want to try to get some other guys involved in the future. They did sign Will Fuller for that reason. On the other hand, as we've seen, we know Waddle is so much capable of so much more as a fuel stretcher, as a big play threat, and we haven't even gotten those. I mean, it's looking great for 2021, man. But even beyond that, like Waddle, we could be looking at a not a first round, not a first round receiver next year, but someone that's probably going to be in the majority of top 20s, at least top 24s. Yeah, I mean, he's in really elite a company 
you know, first, like being drafted in the top eight, right, of the NFL draft, and then coming out and having this targets per route run that he's had this year, his yards per route run, like he's checking like everything that we want to see, whether you're talking just redraft for next year, dynasty, like Waddle is, yeah, he's going to be shooting up boards. I, I agree with you. I think they could want to spread the ball around a little bit more. But the thing with Waddle is, is we don't know that he can't work outside. We don't know that he can't really be more. They've just asked him to be this one thing this year, and he's just happened to do that really well. And so I think there could there could also be a case that like if you have more weapons and you can push the outside vertical boundary and you give a guy like this more space to operate underneath and a lot of these little catches right can turn into some of the plays like we saw last week right where he was able to hit the Jets and split you know two defenders and go score a touchdown. So with Waddle, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm really excited. You know, it's hard to imagine. You know, will he you know be someone seeing 28, 30 percent of the targets all the time, but. I mean, hey, he very well could. I mean, we'll have to see what happens with the with the Dolphins coaching staff and all that kind of stuff as well. But everything's encouraging. Like he's he's in a really, really good spot. Um, you know, I mean, the way I look at Waddle right now is like <clears throat> last year we were super excited about CD Lamb, and really Waddle's putting up very similar uh, numbers and Lamb last year operated a ton from the slot as well, right? So it's kind of similar, and they're both running for the catch guys. But we'll maybe we'll we'll see Waddle get to work more outside next year and get to do some of the things that CD Lamb's doing this year. They're different players, um, but we know that Waddle has the speed to get deep if he can beat press coverage and if he can get off the line. Um, as far as the rest of the Dolphins go, um, Gasecki, we've talked about it multiple times. Look, the utilization is there, and look, the targets came. 26% of the targets today. We've talked about this really being more of a funnel between Waddle and Gasecki. We will see Parker probably get a little more involved, to your point. He had 13% of the targets today, and Parker in his first game back after a four-game absence, 71% of the routes um, was the deepest dot on the team at 11.6 today. You had Gusecki at 7.5, and then you had Waddle at an 8.2. So all, you had Gusecki and Waddle really working more intermediate, and, and Parker really, that's not super deep, like 11. Like deep would be like 15, 16, 17 yards, but he was the deepest of the guys on the team. Uh, Miles Gaskin uh, did you know, keep, you know, his lead role, 64%, 64% of the snaps today, 63% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance. But interestingly, and we can never fix it, figure this stupid, you know, offense out, but 75% of the long down and distance and 69% of the two minute offense. So this is the first time he didn't show, now he didn't come bit through big in the box score, but like the underlings are like, he really did become like an every down back today. Pretty much. We did have before. Patrick Lair get hurt. Okay. So there you go. Patrick Laird got hurt and opened the so stupid. Of course, so, that needs to matter, but it sadly does. It does. Okay? No, it does. You're, you're right, because I didn't have that note. I didn't know Patrick Laird got hurt. So there you go. So that's probably the only reason why. And we'll get Malcolm Brown back next week. Um, and it'll just be, you know, a mess. You know, look, Gaskin is the lead back and he's been getting most of the attempts. I was just excited to see the passing down work. So uh, just kidding. Probably won't see the passing down work. Uh, but Barkley, it's like you said, like, man, it's just the offense. It doesn't look good. He's looking better. He's looking fine. But they just can't sustain drives. They, they're not able to run enough plays. He was out there today for 49 um, snaps. 75% of the total snaps handled 65% of the rushing attempts. He actually was a true every down back. 67% short down distance. 64% long down distance. 100% of the two-minute offense. Um, the other problem, though, man, is just the stuff rate. And it wasn't like he was juking and changing direction all the time behind the line, only a 9% 
of the time did he change the point of attack, but 27% of Barkley's carries were stuffed. So stuffed rate meaning zero yards or less. So a third almost of his carries went for zero yards or less. Or less. And it wasn't easy on Devontae Booker on his small sample size either. He was almost at a 20% stuff rate. So the offensive line is probably having problems right now for the Giants. I don't have all the offensive line uh, stuff open in front of me, but we know that they've had problems there in the past. As far as the receivers, is real, man, there's not much to say just because it's all injury stuff. Yeah. You know, Kenny Galladay was only out there 58% of the routes, but you already hit on why. You know, he got knocked out with the rib issue. Um, he did return, but they limited him after that. Before we move on, everyone, moment of science, moment of silence <laughs> for the le- moment of science. That's, for, uh, I'm just ruining this. For the legend known as odd numbered week, Miles Gaskin. Okay, moving on. Eagles 33, <laughs> Jets 18. Philly covers at a four, as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Minshew mania. What you going to do when it runs all over you? The overcash at 44. Yeah, Gardner was awesome. 20 for 25, 242 yards, and a pair of touchdowns, both of which went to your guy, got Dallas Goddard. Six catches on six targets for 105 yards and those aforementioned two touchdowns. Everything was right for Goddard over the past six weeks. It just happened to work out for him this time around. So I hope you guys continue to treat him as the top 10, top eight fantasy football tight end that we have been preaching. His utilization has told us he is. He finally came through in an absolutely major way. So, of course, we got a bye week next. It's likely that, you know, Nick Sirianni already said rightfully that Jalen Hurts will be back under center after missing this one with the ankle injury. But yes, Dallas Goddard, he has the usage of a top 10 tight end and continue to treat him as such. Unfortunately, this is still a very run-heavy offense. And that when th- you have that, you're going to have someone like Dallas Goddard go off. And then you're going to have someone like Devontae Smith limp to just two catches for 15 yards on a minimum four targets. So going to be tough to get both these guys to ball out there in any given week. And that is going to cap their ceilings. Like if Dallas Goddard was in a real pass-heavy offense, we could be talking about a top five option at the position. Same goes with Devontae Smith to a lesser extent. He could be like a top 20 wide receiver. As things stand, we got to kind of accept them as more of a boomer bust wide receiver three. We've seen the flashes from Devontae all year. Just a matter of volume, and he does not have enough of it. You know who does have a lot of volume? Miles Sanders, 24 carries, three receptions. Did he find the end zone? Of course not, because he's cursed. 135 touches without a touchdown this year. Second place is Tevin Coleman with 67. That is ridiculous. Miles Sanders literally has more than double the amount of touches of the next closest player in the NFL without scoring a touchdown. And who knows if it's going to happen anytime soon, because unfortunately he suffered another ankle injury to the same one that really he injured initially back in week eight was making a nice run around the end. He hurdled and just kind of came down funky on it. So hope you get better. Miles, because this was the most clear we've seen this backfield yet. Kenneth Gamewell, of course, had to take the touchdown from the pair. It, like, wasn't from the goal line or anything. I mean, Kenneth deserves some credit for that touchdown. Not so much for wearing number 14. Really stupid number for a running back. But, hey, this was a two-back backfield. I really apologize to anyone that started Boston Scott with any level of confidence because uh, he did not have a single touch. And this one was coming 
coming in as a game time decision with that illness. You know, I tried to answer every start sick question with the other guy. That's kind of the mindset you need to take with this Philly backfield where the only consistency throughout the year has been the general inconsistency going along with it. At least Miles Sanders did break this team's long streak that went back to like week 14 or 15 last year of not having a, a 100 yard rusher. So good game from Sanders could have been a great game if the touchdown guys just didn't absolutely despise him. Then we have Zach Wilson. I didn't get a chance to watch like every play of this game yet, but from the looks of it, I think he played pretty well, man. Like he, you looked at him at halftime. He only had a couple incompletions. Yeah. He threw one horrendous interception over the middle in the second half, but he did find both Elijah Moore and Ryan Griffin for red zone touchdowns. And he had to deal with a week high five drops in this one. So just the fact that we kind of saw Wilson working better within the confines of the offense, I thought was po- was positive because we've seen him already have that playmaking ability when it breaks down. Cause he can throw the ball over, over a freaking mountain if he wants to. So the better he can just start to work again within more of the structure of the offense, get comfortable with that, and then decide when to start to go off script and do, you know, that do the stuff that his uh, natural talent enables him to do. That's when we'll get the best version of it. So baby steps from Wilson, uh, you know, just be careful about calling the dude trash after every performance. Cause again, can't really help it when you got your teammates dropping the ball five times week high mark. Um, also shout out Elijah Moore. I hope you went back to him because he has the usage of a legit wide receiver one now. And yes, it got, it got help from Corey Davis re-aggravating that groin injury. He only had three targets on the day, but Elijah Moore second straight week team high in targets. He had 12 in this one. He caught six of them for 77 yards in the score. And for the second straight week, it could have been so much more because he had a week high 135 unrealized air yards. So Elijah Moore is setting up as a consistent upside wide receiver three man that I think we're going to want to try to squeeze into that starting lineup more weeks than not. Now we got to have an uncomfortable conversation, Dwayne. Everyone's favorite waiver wire darling a couple weeks ago, Ty Johnson. He had three touches in this game. We had also had Austin Walter coming out of nowhere. He had three touches this game. Tevin Coleman, 14 touches again. And Dwayne didn't look bad. Five broken tackles on the ground. Was tied with Madison and I believe someone else. Only Jonathan Taylor had more. As I said before, Tevin Coleman is, is uh, you know the next closest guy to Miles Sanders in terms of most touches without a score this year. Should we be slowly but surely starting to believe in Tevin Coleman as the leader of Jets backfield or just screw it? Um, just screw it. Okay, that makes <clears throat> he sense. was only out there for thirty nine percent of the snaps, nineteen uh, percent of the routes. Say no more. Screw it. Screw attempts. him and everything yeah. he stands for. Not not just, that. But. They just they just need good game scripts, and they they've had them in the last two weeks. So Tevin Coleman is the lead back, but we're going to get Michael Carter back, and then Tevin Coleman's not. Hopefully, Tevin Coleman won't mi- matter once we get Michael Carter back. Ty Johnson was still the passing down option in this game. He actually led the team in snaps, kind of pulled a Mike Davis, you know, a lot of empty air going on with the snaps for Ty Johnson, but he was out there for 89% of the long down distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, 55% of the routes. Didn't check it down very much to him today. Um, He could have been much more involved in the passing game if they wanted. Um, The big takeaway on the Jets is obviously the guy, Elijah Moore, 63% of the air yards. You already hit on that. 33% target share, 34% targets per route run, 88% routes per drop back. Um, out there all the time, man. Like Elijah Moore looks great. 12 targets, six receptions, 77 yards, and a touchdown, 2.2 yards per route run today. So over the last three contests, we've had target shares of today, 33%. 
Last week, 35%. The week before, 26%. So Elijah Moore, we, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter last week. I felt people like were just being overboard. Look, could it have been a better day? Yeah. Zach Wilson missed him in the end zone for another touchdown. Then the next play turns around and hits Ryan Griffin on a touchdown. So this could have been a two-touchdown day for Elijah Moore. And obviously, anytime you have 12 targets and only six receptions, you wonder, well, what was going on? Well, 58% of those were catchable. Some of, so some of that definitely goes on Zach Wilson. But let's be honest, folks, like people screaming for Joe Flacco and Mike White, like really, like they're just as likely to come out here and totally bust. Like people all of a sudden act like, oh my God, Joe Flacco is this great quarterback. So with Zach Wilson, he's continuing to improve. Does he need to get better? Yes, he does. Um, But don't be so afraid of Elijah Moore. I just saw too many people on Twitter. Oh my God, I can't start Elijah Moore because Zach Wilson, 12 targets. That's all you need to know. Now just shut up, start Elijah Moore. And I love you. All right. Philadelphia, (laughs) Miles Sanders, you already mentioned it. We'll have to watch what happens with the ankle. But 63% of the rushing attempts today, all the short down and distance. The passing down work did go to Kenneth Gainwell, um, 58% long down distance, 50% of the two-minute offense. Boston Scott, to your point, you know, was basically a healthy scratch, even though he was suited up. You know, he only played 6% of the routes, 4% of the snaps. Um, and those were probably after Miles Sanders got deemed. So I'll have to go back and look. Doesn't really matter right now. We get a bye week next week, but I'll break it down anyway in the utilization report. Um, Devonta Smith still out there. Like he's doing his thing. It's like you said, it's just, this, it's a, it's a run heavy offense when they're in control or they keep these games close. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Eagles. If they, if they get pushed into more of these games where they're trailing, we actually, I guess, kind of did see that last week against the giants for some odd reason. They couldn't, you know, just stay ahead of the giants. Um, but Devonta Smith, 87% of the routes, 19% of the targets, 25% of his targets came on uh, 20 yards or more. Actually, Dallas Goddard involved down the field today. Uh, a fifth of his targets came uh, on 20 yards or more, and he actually led the team, 24% of the targets and 36% of the air yards to the newly minted Dallas Goddard at tight end. Again, Eagles do have a bye coming up, so it is good that Sanders should have an extra week to get that ankle right. That also means Jordan Howard has an extra week to get that knee right. Again, if you can, just try to avoid this backfield. Anything close. We, yeah, we probably won't have answers. Yeah. <laughs> We're exactly, try. exactly. We'll, we'll do our best, but, you know, this, this is our warning. Colts blank the Texans 31 to nothing, covering easily as a 10-point favorite. The under cashed at 45. One of those games where Carson Wentz didn't have to do much because they have Jonathan Taylor, 32 carries, 143 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. Yeah, he lost a fumble. Who cares? Taylor can lose a fumble every week if he really wants to. Who's going to tell him no at this point? The dude is a borderline god out there on the football field. And just to see, again, this game, like, all right, we had Deion Jackson coming at the end. He got a touchdown with six carries. But like Naeem Hines couldn't be less of a threat to Taylor in any of these formats. It is Taylor's backfield. He deserves to be the overall RB1 pretty much regardless of the matchup the rest of the way. If we're seeing a true 30-touch ceiling for the guy, like what more could we want? And they really have been doing this more so towards the end of last year and end of this year. So I took his last 16 regular season games in that stretch. 305 carries, 750, 1,758 rushing yards, 21 rushing scores, and also 41 catches, 349 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. 
Jonathan Taylor, what an absolute monster. He continues to crush it. Weak high six broken tackles on the ground. And yeah, Carson Wentz only had to throw the ball 22 times. He did hit Ashton Doolin for a nice two-yard touchdown on the goal line, second week in a row. Doolin has scored. Should you, you know, pick him up and just start really trusting Ashton Doolin down the stretch in the most important moments of your fantasy season? Absolutely not, people, but good for him, you know. Michael Pittman, though, did come through a little bit after a couple weeks of duds. Had eight targets in this one, which was good to see. I mean, eight targets and only 22 attempts. Clearly trying to get him the ball, and we really saw that come to fruition with an additional two reverses that he converted for 33 yards. So, overall, he had 110 scoreless yards on the day. Again, if the Colts are able to play a team that they can't just romp over, that's when we'll get the true booms from Michael Pittman. But it was good to see a score in this one. Disappointing. We didn't get T.Y. Hilton blowing up against the Texans as he's done so many times over the past decade but yeah i mean come on that was always more fun than anything can't be trusting hilton as anything more than probably a boomer bust wide receiver four if we want to be nice yeah only sheesh in this one Pittman actually could have had a touchdown i kind of blame wentz more like it was from the two yard line and wentz threw this thing like 100 miles per hour and it went off of Pittman's hands so it hit the hands and some people say it hits the hands should have been a touchdown either way uh jonathan taylor got the score on the next play so it didn't exactly impact the colts what the texans only note was that first it got um unveiled over the broadcast that Tyrod Taylor got benched in the third quarter. He actually suffered a hyperextended wrist. So he got injured, not led Davis Mills to come in. How many yards of offense the Houston Texans record? I'm happy you asked. 141. What a complete dumpster fire of an offense right now. I mean, Brandon Cooks, three catches for 38 yards, and he was the leader in terms of receiving yards. Rex Burkhead, one catch, 15 yards, eight carries. 30 yards. You know, I, I did my, I do my 20 minutes start sit things uh, Sunday morning. Once I finished with the PFF show and I tried to, I specifically wrote out, I was like, don't even with David Johnson out, don't expect Rex Burkhead just to get 50 touches and all of a sudden become this star. What happened Dwayne? We saw Jalen Samuels get involved. We saw Royce Freeman getting involved. You know, if you just want to move on from the Texans, that's fine. But if you want to use your handy Danny percentages and explain how freaking messed up this backfield is, that's cool too. Floor is yours. Yeah, I think you hit it. Like, it's messed up. <laughs> 46%, 42%, 15% to Burkett, Freeman, and Sam. Oh, so, like, that's all you need. Pain. 53% pain. of the rushing attempt did go to Rex Burkhead. He did, you know, see the most routes. Um, actually, this is so dumb. Royce Freeman had more routes than Rex Burkhead. <laughs> Rex Burkhead's a passing specialist, but he led the team in rushing. This Everything's so backwards in Houston. I think you explained it best whenever you just went with Brandon Cooks and you said he is the leader. It was almost like I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, 89% of the routes for Brandon Cooks and like whatever, 26% of the targets. But it's just a bad offense. Um, on the Colts side of the ball, there's nothing new. Pittman's the one. Um, everything else is a rotation that you just want to stay away from outside of Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Jonathan Taylor today forced a missed tackle on 19 or missed tackle force per attempt, 19%. Yards after contact, 3.09. An explosive run rate that's 10 yards or more on a carry, 16% of his runs. And it's just getting to where this is the normal thing, man. You know, somewhere between 10 and 20% of his runs go for at least 10 yards. Uh, whenever you're getting, like you mentioned, 32 touches. Um, it's giving you a shot at some really big plays to go along with his carries inside the five. Next up, we got the Rams taking down the Jaguars 37-7. We have reached the 4 o'clock games on this breakdown. Rams covered easily as a 14-point favorite. The under cash at 47.5. Rough first quarter from Matthew Stafford. And we've talked about how he kind of has like the worst 
three touchdown performances you'll ever see sometimes. This was not one of them. This was truly a good game from Stafford. And the last time I checked, you know, a couple minutes left in those four o'clock games, Stafford was PFF's highest graded passer on the week. So week high, five big time throws. He managed to get Cooper Cup a touchdown, Van Jefferson and our guy OBJ for the second straight week. Cup in particular had another huge game, eight catches, 129 yards and a score. If the season ended tomorrow, Cooper Cup, 100 catches, 1,366 yards, and 11 scores. If he keeps us up for the full 17 games, 142 catches, 1,935 yards, and 16 scores. Basically what Calvin Johnson did that one year with Stafford, but if Calvin like actually scored touchdowns instead of getting tackled at the one-yard line seemingly every single time. Either way, we continue to see this past game home, and we've seen Jefferson and Beckham really do a good job stepping in for Robert Woods and helping this passing attack continue to be explosive down the field. So Beckham also had a 27-yard catch on a deeper cross. You know, he did. He does seem to be in and out. Like, they're not going to waste him on run plays or anything like that. But clearly locked in as the number three pass game option in this offense. Tyler Higby did actually finish with one more target than Beckham, 48 scoreless yards. But we kind of know what we're getting with Higby at this point. The real story was Sony Michelle, who, yeah, we had to find out, you know, from Jay Glazer that Henderson would be active. But shout out to the GOAT, Jay Glazer, for pointing out that Sony Michelle was going to be the feature back and featured. He was 24 carries, 121 yards, and a score. Also chipped in three receptions. Should have had a second score. Um, I unfortunately missed this one with my own two eyes as I was trying to watch all four of these games, but heard from enough of you uh, on the old Twitter sphere to still fire up the sheesh alert about it. So thank you for that. But basically before the Beckham touchdown, Sony got a goal line carry and none other than Matthew Stafford was responsible for keeping him out of the end zone, basically accidentally tackling his own RB one, you know, critics are starting to wonder if maybe there's a conspiracy there. Stafford wanted to get his third uh, passing touchdown through the air. I guess we'll never know either way great game from sony and whoever like Dwayne, when henderson got ruled out i deleted his name and i put sony michelle on the spot did you do that yep yep that yeah. easy sometimes yeah i mean I, yeah i moved him down a little bit just knowing henderson was active i, I moved him from 12 to That's rb fair. 18 just just to kind of help people just kind of temper just in case you know that henderson was involved a little bit ended up being a non-factor like you said so 97% of the snaps, 80% of the routes, 89% of the rushing attempts. Obviously, I don't need to tell you about long down distance and short down distance because you can do the math. That means he was out there for all of that. Um, 24 attempts, 121. So yeah, he was in a good spot. Nothing explosive. You know, Still look more or less like the Sony Michelle we've not been very impressed with. But again, volume is what really matters. And in a good offense like the Rams, you know, there's going to be opportunity to score touchdowns, which he did today. Um, the big thing with the Rams is really looking at the receivers, Ian. Van Jefferson was second on the team. So Cooper Cup out there for 100% of the routes. Van Jefferson, 90%. And it was Odell Beckham Jr. dipping down to 59% after being at 97% last week. Now, some of this is due to the late game situation where the Rams were leading. Like this was, you know, we had uh, John Wolford in for a little bit. He actually came in for one snap early in the game when they thought Stafford might be hurt. Then he took a few snaps later in the game as well because it was just really out of hand. So some of this with Beckham was coming into the game, you know, questionable with a hip injury. So I don't want to read too much into it, Ian, but it was Van Jefferson right now looks like as the two, just like it was last week with Beckham being, you know, the three um, as far as playing time goes. 
as far as the Jaguars, uh, you know, you got to get Laquan Treadwell out there. Um, 92% of the routes. LaVisca Chenault, 67%. So we've got another player that now needs to get out of LaVisca Chenault's way. Like the list just keeps getting longer. Like they keep adding someone to it. Just a couple more, Dwayne. Um, a couple more will be there. I mean, look, I'm done with this. I don't want him in. I don't want him in dynasty. I don't want him in season long. I never want to say his name again. Uh, uh, James Robinson. Uh, you know, he got. He was kind of in and out. You know, he had a fumble, but so did Carlos Hyde. So did Trevor Lawrence. Everybody had a fumble for the Jaguars. It was a. It was a big party. Um, but Carlos Hyde and James Robinson pretty much split the work today. Forty nine percent of the snaps to Hyde, forty four percent to Robinson. Remember, this week Robinson actually was questionable all the way up through Saturday, whereas in the the previous weeks he got in a full practice by Friday on Saturday it wasn't a question so I think this is more of Robinson was playing through pain I think his hill was bothering him more this week so this is something that we'll have to monitor but for right now um, Robinson looking at him as more of a low-end RB2 in you know mid-range RB2 if we got a full week of practice like full fully healthy you know like two or three practices in a row then you know we might move him back up to mid-range or you know low-end I mean high-end RB2 um, if we thought he could get his complete rollback. But since the hill injury, he just hasn't had the passing downs. That's really gone more to hide. That continued today on the long down and distance, but we did see Robinson get a little more involved in the two-minute offense. He handled 100% of that. Unfortunately, the Jaguars just don't run the two-minute offense that much. So um, anyway, yeah, so Robinson, really for me, low-end RB2 right now. We need to see him get healthy. Yeah, I'm, don't want to touch any. Don't want to touch anything in the Jaguars passing attack. Absolutely not. Only. Did you want to know about O'Shaughnessy? Is no, that your no, 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 no. I was just because I saw. Um, um, Good. I'm not I, I, saw, I saw the Roto World tweet saying that Robinson was benched after the fumble, and he really might have been, man, because you know he fumbled on his second touch of the game, and they didn't give him the ball again until the very end of the uh, second quarter in the two-minute drill. So that's just so messed up, man. And then Hyde fumbles too. Like, what a freaking joke, Urban Meyer. Yeah. Congrats on uh, everything you've accomplished this year on the two and ten. Yeah, he sucks. Freaking Jaguars. <laughs> Urban Meyer sucks. Yeah, I have I have uh, nothing more to say about this team. Moving on, Washington football team takes down the Raiders, seventeen to fifteen, covering as a two-point dog. Don't look now. Washington getting in the playoff race at six and six under cash at 47 and a half. Antonio Gibson, it is legal and for him to catch a touchdown pass, catch a touchdown pass. He did. He actually caught five passes on the day for 23 yards, chipped in another 88 yards on the ground with 23 carries. Like Dwayne, the crazy part with Gibson, we've wanted this usage all season. But like we talked about this, he wasn't looking all that great with his usage for the first nine, 10 weeks. Now we're getting the usage we want. And just from the eye test, I think he's looking better than he has all year long. So please, like I'm knocking on wood, please let that shin stay healthy because if we keep getting these touches and we have Gibson playing this way, he will continue to be a weekly RB1 regardless of the matchup on a Washington team that, let's face it now, is staying more competitive for ideal positive game script with him anyway. So great stuff from Gibson continues to reward his faithful fantasy managers and great job taylor heineke man this is like now all of a sudden becoming a little bit of a little bit of consistency for the guy and if you look at him since their week eight by he's now played four games might have been a week nine by anyway he's played four games tampa bay 
he had our eighth best PFF passing grade against the Panthers. He had the number one PFF passing grade of the week last week against the Seahawks. He was seventh in pre Sunday night football eighth at 73.1 against the Raiders. So we're seeing consistency from Heineke. The guy's a gamer. The guy's a grinder. He's getting it done for this Washington football team. I just wish he could enable, I don't know, his number one receiver a little bit more consistently because Terry McLaurin continues to be a boom or bust wide receiver too in every sense of the word. He's got four or five like true top 10 finishes this year. The problem is like we just have no floor to speak of in this offense. So just three catches for 22 yards. And this one, the big receiver was Logan Thomas who caught three of his five targets for 48 yards and a sick one-handed touchdown in the back of the end zone. And he also busted a big 35-yard catch and run where he was showing off the yak. Everything was going right for Logan Thomas until he suffered a knee injury, looked emotional on the bench. We'll need to see what happens. If he's out, it's going to be John Bates, who was actually involved anyway in this one. He caught three passes for 42 yards. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones was inactive, though, with a hip injury. So, you know, Dwayne, we've talked about this all year. Whoever it is at tight end for Washington, you know, Logan, I think, offers the highest ceiling. And then RSJ, then John Bates. But with that said, if you're playing 100% of the snaps, if Heineke's going to keep throwing them targets, even Johnny Bates can probably be a top 15 option in fantasy land inside of this offense. Uh, real quick now on the Raiders. Derek Carr, nice thrower too, but generally, I mean, we only saw him really hooking up consistently with Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs in the short to intermediate areas of the field. Credit to Renfro. This is going to be his fourth, I think, top 12 performance in the last like five weeks since Henry Ruggs went down. He didn't score, but nine catches and 102 yards. If he's not top 12, it'll still be top 20. He's getting closer and closer to wide receiver two territory. At this point, I could just see Hunter Renfro. I mean, if Carr is going to stay in Vegas here for the next four or five years like he's been for his entire career like Renfro could just start emerging as this like Jarvis Landry type guy who I know they're different players but year in and year out just egregiously mispriced with their ADP continues to come back and get it so I don't think they would want to continue to feature Renfro as their true number one receiver but that really is what he's been doing ever since Ruggs has left the picture and particularly with Darren Waller out of course Foster Moreau, just one catch, 34 yards on three targets. Didn't give people the sort of streamer performance they were hoping for. I mean, I don't know, Dwayne. Like, I saw some people really freaking out about Foster Moreau. Let me see. Where do you have him before this week? Because I liked him. I'm not trying to say I didn't, but at the same time. I had him at I had him at 14 or so, somewhere around there. I had Foster Moreau 15. as my tight end 12, which a little higher. But, yeah, it's not a one-for-one one replacement with Darren Waller by any stretch. Still had guys like Goddard, Jaseki, Fryermuth, much higher than that. So don't become a prisoner of the moment sometimes. You know, we see these guys get on the headline of every waiver wire article I think people start to think a little bit nonsensically sometimes. So Fossa Moreau, he'll still be a borderline tight end one like he was this week. Don't feel like you need to fade him completely because of one down game. Also probably shouldn't have been treating him as a top five, top six tight end if that was your thing going in this week. I mean, Fossa Moreau versus TJ Hawkinson, like whoever sent me that start sick question, that, that's just an insult in my opinion. So anyway, Derek Carr, he threw a bomb to Zay Jones that showed off the arm strength at the end. It was just pretty cool to see. And that's why Zay Jones is second on the week and unrealized air yards. I just wish he could have done a little more of that with Deshaun Jackson. The broadcast must have showed two or three times where Jackson was running free 
deep down the field. I know sometimes the ball is getting out quickly and maybe that wasn't the way he was being read, but I think we saw pretty clearly in that Cowboys game that the best version of this Raiders offense in the post rugs era is going to be using DJX as their field stretcher. I don't know why he only had one target in this one. So Derek Carr, someone that we were really hoping could be a consistent, I think QB one earlier in the year, I think it settled in as much more of a boomer bust wide receiver two. And the final point, QB2. QB2. There we go. It's just in my head, man. Just in my head. <laughs> he can run routes, I'm sure, Ian. I'm sure he can run some routes. I'm just sleeping, you know, at night, just like muttering line wide receiver two over and over again. <laughs> Borderline. Borderline. Uh, with his running backs, though, this was interesting. So we had Jalen Richard put on the COVID IR before this game kicked off, and that led to Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake being active. However, Drake suffered a right foot injury and was carted off early on, leading to Josh Jacobs catching nine passes also at 52 yards and a score on the ground. Dwayne is a, uh, you know, be, be, beyond the box score. Nine passes for 38 yards. I know, but they're nine, possible? man. It's, dude, it's I know. Hey, it's 12.8 points. That's, uh, that's why PPR is so you. stupid, but that's also, you know, it's the game we <laughs> play. Better, so yes. t- yeah, tell the world, the tell the world just how borderline erotic this Jacobs usage was. Yeah, it wasn't borderline. It was pretty erotic Ooh, from a utilization standpoint. I mean, 85% of the snaps, 93% of the rushing attempts, 80% of the routes. Uh, short down and distance, half. Kenyon Drake managed to be around for half. They didn't have that many short down and distance plays today. Long down and distance, almost 70%. And he had 92% of the two-minute offense. So Peyton Barber got out there a little bit once you saw Kenyon Drake get hurt. So moving forward, though, like if you're without Richard, if you're without – Kenyon Drake, like Peyton Barber is more of like the replacement to Josh Jacobs, right? He's not really the, you know, the compliment to Josh Jacobs. So we could see Jake, you know, who knows? They might carve out a role for Peyton Barber in the passing game. They're going to, they're going to rotate some, um, but Jacobs could be, we'll have to wait and see what these injuries say, but Jacobs could be in, you know, a situation where he's going to have an every down role pretty much, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, depending, again, on the injuries. As far as Foster Moreau, look, people just got too excited about it, right? And I get it. Some of it goes back to, even though the utilization have been there for people like Goddard and Gasecki and some of these other folks, right? It's like when you don't see it two or three weeks come to fruition and you're not looking at the underlying stuff, which is why the utilization things matter, it's easy to say, well, I'm just going to stick this guy Foster Moreau in. You know, I saw a lot of people. I saw a lot of people giving the advice to actually, yeah, just bump Moreau up. The, why not? Just play Moreau. Um, so I think some of it's just setting better expectations for ourselves. Um, but Moreau was out there for 64% of the routes, which kind of surprised me because they only had two tight ends up. You know, they had uh, Moreau and then they had Daniel Helm, who was only out there for two plays today. And so they were in a ton of 11 personnel. So what's interesting is Moreau is actually having to stay in and block. Um, because if you're out there 85% of the snaps and you're only on a route 64% of the time, so you're, you're doing some blocking. Hunter Renfro, 10 targets, 9 receptions, 101 yards, 27% target share. Hunter Moreau, I mean Hunter Moreau, Hunter Renfro. <laughs> hey, Renfro, Moreau, they, 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 they rhyme. Um, three out of the last four weeks, he's had targets over 25%. And because they weren't able to be as multiple in their personnel today, some of that due to the way that the script worked out with Washington being ahead on them, some of that being due to injuries, 96% of the passing plays he was in a route. 
So that's the season high for Hunter Renfro. And if you look at him over, you know, typically it's really good if he gets to 80%. So 96% today. I haven't had a chance to check Ian if he was actually playing some outside as well. Probably most of it's 11 personnel. Just, just looking at, they only had a fullback out there for six snaps and they had a second tight end only out there for two snaps. So my guess is it was just a function of playing 11 personnel almost all game long. You had Zay Jones, Brian Evers, Deshaun Jackson all rotating really for the rest of that stuff. Zay Jones over the last two weeks, along with Deshaun, really has become you know a deep threat. His A dot today was a 26. So, I mean, you 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 reeled off the unrealized air yards, which were huge. So the A dot obviously was going to be bloated whenever you heard that stat. Um, and then you had over on the Washington side of the ball, um, Gibson. 82% of the snaps, 68% of the routes, which is really what we wanted to see. That's the big thing. 80% of the rushing plays, 100% of the short down and distance, but 50% of the long down and distance and 100% of the two-minute offense. By far his biggest marks across, if you want to like kind of aggregate all that together, the 68% of the routes was really great. Wendell Smallwood was really a non-factor, played 33% of the long down and distance, but you can live with that. Like every back has somebody that's going to come in, you know, and relieve them in certain plays, right? It's just a matter of like, what situation do the coaches want to do that? Whether it be, oh, we're going to do it every third series on first and second down, or we're just going to give half of the long down and distance snaps. So for me, overall, looking at Gibson, the big, the most telling thing is 68% of the time they were dropping back to pass, he was in a route, which is what we want to see. If you can be, be between 65 and 75%, that's really elite. And so today he had six targets, five receptions, 23 yards. He was actually the leading um, target share on the red. On, God, I did that twice now <laughs> on the football team. 20%, 17% to Logan Thomas. You already mentioned, you know, we're going to have to see what happened with him. Terry McLaurin was a little bit silent today, 17% of the targets. But we've just seen this with Terry, right? It's kind of this boom bust thing. And teams know that Terry is the number one weapon, right, for Washington in the passing game. So you're just going to have some of these situations where this happens. And it's what came through today. Adam Humphreys was a little more involved than normal. I think it was just because we had to have the Clemson slot show <laughs> between him and Renfro. Naturally. Yo, Humphreys, some of those early – I think he was on the same squad as like – Watkins, Martavis Bryant. Yeah, and he was maybe on the even first Duke round. for a yep. year. Yeah, man. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Some and of those came team. behind in the next group. Yep. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All those guys broke my uh, heart as a Buckeyes fan at least once or twice. But we got you guys in 2020. Seahawks 30, 49ers <laughs> 23. Seahawks covered as a two and a half point dog over hit at 44 and a half. I mean, Seattle like wanted to give this game away. We said a lot of good things about Gerald Everett on this podcast. The next 30 seconds will not be one of those times. He fumbled on the second drive of the game. Triple sheesh. Triple sheesh, man. Seldom seen triple sheesh. Fumbles on the second drive of the game. Just, you know, got a screen. He's a yak monster. I get it. Whatever. We can live with that. Later, Russ hits him at the one-yard line. He would have fallen into the end zone. No problem. Not only did he drop the ball, it bounced off him and went to a 49ers defender for an interception. Double sheesh. Here comes the triple sheets. They're inside the five-yard line. They try a shovel pass to Gerald Everett. He catches it, gets possession of it, and then fumbles that too. Absolutely brutal performance from Everett. And, I mean, four catches for just seven yards on the day. That is miserable. You know, he's going to go ahead and make it out barely in the positive. I'm just happy that no one's going to lose their matchup because of a minus one from ever. I guess that could actually happen in standard scoring. So if you were one of those poor souls, feel free to uh, send it to me on Twitter. And a lot of people will probably help feel bad for you. 
But the good news was the rest of the Seahawks offense really did look much better than we have grown accustomed to seeing over the past three weeks. I mentioned how Russ's only interception went right off of Everett's hands. He was good at that, man. 30 for 37, 231 yards, pair of touchdowns, one to Tyler Lockett. Awesome, just over-the-shoulder throw. It reminded us of the better part of the last five years of Russ and Lockett showing off this mind-meld chemistry. Also hit D. Eskridge, their uh, second-round rookie, for a score as well, so that was good to see. Lockett did briefly miss some time in the medical tent. He had a chance at like a 40-yard touchdown on this cool trick play throwback pass thing it would have been a diving catch like to call that a drop would be completely egregious but you know we're used to seeing Lockett make these insane catches so just saying seven catches 68 yards and a touchdown for Lockett he's actually been the one that's been overcoming some of the up and down nature of uh, Russ in this offense in general over the past few weeks last week Lockett had 96 yards week before that 115 yards why is he having to do all this on you know such little target share story for another day but at least he continues to produce Metcalf was getting closer as well five catches 60 yards on eight targets could have had a 32 yard touchdown he won one-on-one was open down the sideline Russ sailed it out of the end zone with some of these like I understand it'd be tough to you know, we expect so much out of them that, like, who the hell am I to say that should have been a completion or whatever? Metcalf ripped his helmet off, was pretty pissed, and they immediately showed him talking to Russ on the sideline afterwards. So safe to say that one was a sheesh, but it was a good game for Metcalf. He positioned them for an Adrian Peterson win-now touchdown at the goal line when he was able to make a nice catch and uh, generally look like the beast that he is out there. So hopefully they continue to, you know, feed the ball their top two receivers. What a novel concept that is, and it got the Seahawks a victory. Over on the 49ers, uh, real quick, pretty condensed game. I mean, George Kittle went the hell off. Nine catches, 181 yards, and two scores on 12 targets. Then we have Brandon Ayuk really pissing people off to start. He did finish with three catches and 55 yards on six targets. Not what we were looking for, but Kittle's going to Kittle sometimes, guys. Like, he is truly, in my opinion, the best all-around tight end in the game. Kelsey's the best pass catcher, but I think Kittle, with the blocking and everything else he does, is the uh, position's best player. And if you want to say of you know the best ability is availability we can have that conversation top two whatever either way i mean when they do use him as a receiver it has been nothing short of ridiculous over the past two seasons the top five players in yards per out run with at least 100 targets number one Devontae adams number two Debo samuel number three justin jefferson number four george kittle at 2.66 absolute madness how efficient he can be when kyle decides to let him be a receiver instead of block Dwayne, this is where I'll kind of turn over er, first. Jimmy Garoppolo, sheesh. Come on, man. We're hyping you up. We're giving you love. I went on a rant last podcast about how we've been shitting on Jimmy G, but he played better. And we want quarterbacks to play better. So we were giving him love. He was PFF's highest graded passer since their week seven bye. This one was not good. He threw two interceptions, both of which were miserable. Yeah, he was able to get Kittle on a nice touchdown early, but a ton of it otherwise was just getting the ball in his hand, short yak situation. So was not one of Jimmy's better days. Continuing to get nothing even close to a rushing floor. Jimmy is a good to very good quarterback more weeks than not. We know who he is, but he also has a floor. He will make these turnovers and he's just not careful enough with the football, in my opinion, to be someone that's also not giving you that big of a ceiling either. So obviously the Trey Lance, you know, idea that he was going to start in 2021, that ship has sailed. Um, Here's to hoping Jimmy G will at least be the better version of himself more weeks than not here moving forward. Final note before we get to the, 
backfields is just that Alex Collins was inactive with an abdomen injury and Travis Homer ripped off a 73 yard touchdown run as a member of the punt team. So they ran a fake punt, direct snap to him. He made a guy miss and ended up scoring Dwayne. Adrian Peterson signed this week because the Seahawks are quote unquote in win now mode. He proceeded to get 11 carries, but we also had Rashad Penny getting 10. What did you see from this backfield overall? And is it as big of a mess as it looks like in the box score? It's an absolute mess. Uh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like Houston. <laughs> so Great. 44% of these snaps to Penny, uh, 24% to Peterson, 27% to Homer. Uh, uh, DJ Dallas got out there for 3%. Those were probably all special teams. Uh, 50% of the rushing attempts to Rashad Penny, 41% to Peterson, 5% to Homer. Uh, routes per pass play, 27%, 27%, and 14%. Again, the order is Penny, Homer, Peterson. And so you did have Homer out there for uh, the two-minute offense, 100%. Long down and distance, 75%. So basically you have two backs uh, sharing the early down work. And then you have a passing down back, which could also split with a guy like DJ Dallas. And so it's just, it's a complete mess. You do not want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Um, when you get Alex Collins back, like it doesn't really matter like which ones are active. Like I just don't, you don't want anything, want any part about it. The big thing for the Seahawks early today, Ian, is 65 offensive plays. Now that's before I'm re- removing their penalties, but still like just to see them with a number that starts with a six yeah. in, in front without it failing to have something behind it, like just six plays. Um, I wouldn't put it past like, them. Like, I know, man, right? <laughs> so, I mean, the problem has been like, we've had these guys down like near 50. And so it helped out today when you look at someone like Lockett and Metcalf, when you get 23% of the targets and you actually, you know, go figure, run a few plays, then these targets that we've seen look like four or five now turn into eight for each of them, right? Eight targets, five receptions for Metcalf, eight targets, seven receptions for Lockett. Um, both were out there plenty. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge still trying to work his way um, into you know some playing time, but it's really still splitting with Freddie Swain. So just something we'll kind of keep an eye on. Um, Gerald Everett, you already hit. You hit the triple sheesh. I'll leave that one alone. Um, as far as the 49ers go, Elijah Mitchell, 84% of the snaps, 58% of the routes, 93% of the two-minute offense. That's, that's a first for Elijah Mitchell. So maybe, maybe, we're going to see more passing down work. He did give way on long down a distance, right? Which is when you're typically inviting the blitz, right? So you're talking like third and seven, fourth and 10, third and 10. It's just technically third and three or longer, but a lot of these end up being, you know, plays where you know you're going to get man coverage across the board and you're going to get a blitz. So that's why they want to get a guy like Kyle Juszczyk out there for those plays. 88% of the long down distance still going to Mr. Juszczyk. Um, as far as Elijah Mitchell, this is his first game, Ian, like in a while. Actually, this is his first game all season where he hasn't just blown it up from an explosive run rate. Zero um, percent of Elijah Mitchell's carries today went for 10 yards or more. That's a first on the season. You know, so it wasn't really his day. Seattle Seahawks, you know, rushing defense is not really it's not very good. Um, but they came to play today against the 49ers and they were able to to limit Mitchell. But he did get a score for you. Sixty six yards and a rushing touchdown. And he got the three targets, three catches. 18 yards, so still firmly in the low-end RB1 you know, range for me playing in this 49ers offense. It would not change that. And Kittle, right? The utilization has been there for Kittle, just like it's been there for Goddard, just like it's been there for Gusecki. But with Kittle, we knew that it, we knew there was elite, absolute elite talent. 
that had proven itself in the past. It just all it all came through today. 47, 47% of the air yards for the team from the tight end. 6.24 yards per route run today. How about that, Ian? That's pretty good. 41% targets per route run. Um, out there for 87% of the time that the 49ers dropped back to pass. 181 freaking yards on nine catches and two touchdowns. So George Kittle, we all know it. We all love him. Top three tight end rest of the way. Brandon Ayuk, um, this is kind of weird. You know, the way this game worked, you thought Ayuk might get more involved, but um, they really have not favored Ayuk very much for whatever reason um, against zone coverage. I thought that might change today because Debo and, Debo and Kittle have been their two lead targets. And the Seahawks run zone pretty much like all the time, like over 75% of their plays. Um, but it kind of stuck today until late in the game when they absolutely had to have it. Then I did come through. He ended up with a 21% target share. But you and I have talked about this multiple times. When you have a team that doesn't run a ton of the plays and about half of those plays can be rushing plays, it can just get, it can get, you know, it gets tight, you know, when you're trying to spread to figure out how the ball is going to be spread around. It's similar to what we talked about earlier with the Eagles. Um, the 49ers are the run heaviest team in the NFL, or at least they were heading into this last week. Um, so it's a situation where it's going to be hard once we get Debo back to always think that all three of these receivers can eat. Also, this was the first time in weeks that Jermichael Hasty was healthy, just one backfield snap. So great to see Mitchell really, again, have some of his best usage yet, even with Wilson and Hasty active, Trey Sermon on IR for the rest of the season. Just some quick injury updates. You know, we always do this podcast during Sunday Night Football, so the news continues to trickle in a little bit. But unfortunately, that Logan Thomas injury is reportedly expected to be a torn ACL. The MRI will be coming. Dwayne and I talk every Monday. It's available on Tuesday about the waiver wire options. But yes, John Bates, Ricky Seals-Jones, depending on how that hip's doing, they will be Perfectly fine streamer options at tight end. And also, Adam Thielen suffered a high ankle sprain during that loss. The Vikings have a short turnaround with a Thursday night game against the Steelers, so certainly not expecting Thielen to play in that. And that will make Jefferson. He's always a must-start guy, but truly locked in as a top three to five wide receiver and gets K.J. Osborne as at least a decent enough streaming option with four more bye weeks ahead of us. Final game before we get out of here, Steelers took down the Ravens 20-19, to throwback one man it was good to see these two teams have a fun competitive game again maybe not as physical as it was 10 years ago but that's okay we got to look after our brains in the year 2021 pittsburgh covered as a four-point dog and the under cashed at 44 so lamar took seven sacks in this one you know wasn't really getting the ball out that quick guess what though still gave us a more than solid fantasy performance with 55 rushing yards 253 passing yards and a touchdown to the lizard king himself sammy Watkins, at the end so it's one of those games where they went for it at two to try to win the ball game at the end lamar got pressured by tj watt he tried to throw the ball around him to an open mark andrews it went just off his fingertips so i'm sure if lamar completes that pass uh everyone's talking about what a great final drive that was and how clutch lamar is because he didn't complete the pass we'll probably get people slandering him calling him a running back, trying to play quarterback, because that's life in our new age cycle. And, you know, all that. I don't even know what I'm trying to say at this point. But the other <laughs> new age cycle, news cycle, you know, the new age news cycle, whatever. Okay, gotcha. Anyway, yeah. with these Baltimore receivers, the one real disappointing thing to see was Rashad Bateman really not used to all on that last drive. He did get a false start penalty, but he wasn't even out there. I mean, they just pretty much featured 
catching him behind everyone in this one. Just a single target. Marquise Brown had seven, caught five of them for 55 yards. Mark Andrews had nine. Devontae Freeman had eight. Sammy Watkins had six. This is incredibly concerning, everyone. We fully expected Bateman to beat out Sammy Watkins by this point in the year. We were saying that the question, and I think the false assumption by many was that he would beat out Marquise Brown, but getting by Watkins, I thought would make more than enough sense by this point. That is not how it has come to fruition. So Bateman, you cannot start him until we see this usage turn around. I'm not saying he's going to be useless for the rest of the year. He's too good to probably do that, but it's just like a couple of weeks ago. I don't think this is injury reduced, but it's like when Cole Beasley had those nine snaps, like we just cannot live with this role Bateman has right now. You can need to find someone else to play until we can see any sort of certainty that he's going to be back inside this offense's top three pass game options. But yeah, the good news was Devontae Freeman continues to really pull away from Latavius Murray. Dwayne, I was a little worried, not worried, but coming into this game because the first week Latavius was back, Devontae really dominated. Last week, it was a little more 50-50 with Freeman still being the uh, lead guy. But this week, man, 19 touches for Devontae Freeman. And he looked good doing so. I mean, how dominant were Freeman's kind of beyond the box score metrics? Yeah, no, he looks good. I mean, 7% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. Um, he was only stuffed on 7%, but it was just more about like consistency, right? From play to play, but he seems more decisive at this point. Yeah. And he's just, you know, like he can still dance and do some of the things that we know Devonta Freeman can do. He still has, you know, a decent jump cuts, like not like what it used to be, you know, in Atlanta back in the Kyle Shanahan days, but this is the best game I've seen from him yeah. for sure. You know, just watching it. Um, but he was out there for 69% of the snaps by far. Nice. Like basically he's, he's the lead back now. 64% of the rushing attempts, 100% of the short down and distance, 63% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. Out there nearly 60% of the time they drop back to pass. I mean, that's, you know, if the Ravens offense, you know, can keep going and he keeps getting that, I mean, he's going to be a high-end RB2 moving forward just on that type of utilization. Um, so Freeman, that's probably, he probably will be the biggest upgrade this week in the utilization report, you know, just based on the last three weeks, he had been, like you mentioned, really good firm hold of at least half. And then to see him do what he did today, um, you know, he just kind of took a step forward and he's looking good doing it. Um, as far as the rest of the Ravens, nothing really new. You hit on the Bateman thing, only 39% of the time was oh, he in a route. Gross. When... Yeah, yeah, when our buddy uh, Lamar Jackson dropped back to pass. So that's a situation, to your point, just going to have to avoid it. At this, I would just call Bateman a wide receiver five stash. You know, um, you can't, I can't even call him a wide receiver four boom bust right now um, because we just don't know what's going to happen. I think the, look, this, this offense is pretty clear cut though for you now. You can use Marquise Brown, you can use Mark Andrews, you can use Devonta Freeman, and you're going to play uh, Lamar Jackson. And that's it. It's pretty straightforward offense. As far as the Steelers go, we saw Najee Harris get back to his typical role, 97% of the snaps, 81% of the rushing attempts, 100%, 100%, 100% across short down distance, long down distance, two-minute offense, 17% target share, 26% targets per route run. So Najee having truly one of his busier days that we've seen from him over the last five to six games, 21 carries, 71 yards, five receptions on five targets, four, 36 yards. So again, not the most efficient day, but lots and lots of volume continued to come Najee Harris's way. And um, we really saw the Steelers utilize more two tight ends today. You saw Fryermuth out there uh, for 75% of the snaps, and you saw Zach Gentry out there for 49% for of the snaps. And so you saw Chase Claypool really take a dip today, 67% of the routes. So coming into this game, he did have a full practice on Friday, but he's still dealing with that toe injury, Ian. So between the 12 personnel 
And then with having James Washington also rotating a little bit with him, it's one of the more concerning lines we've seen, you know, from Claypool. I'm not going to freak out. Uh, 10% of the targets today, um, he could have had, you know, he could have had a little bit of a better day. Targets per route run, though, um, 14% for McLeod, 15% for him, and then 7% for James Washington. Obviously, the star of the show, as he is every week, because he can beat man, he can beat zone, he can do whatever you want. His name's Deontay Johnson, and he and Ben Roethlisberger love one another. 38% target share, 48% of the air yards. That came out to 11 targets, 8 receptions, 105 yards, and 2 touchdowns. So, Ian, I had to, in three of my FFPC uh, playoff teams, I had uh, Jalen Hurts. And, man, like the waiver wire is decimated. I had Cam Newton as the backup. Well, he's on by. So, I actually had to go figure out who to drop. And guess who I had to pick up? Ben Roethlisberger on all three of these teams. He came through, man, with 21 points on two of them. I had him stacked with Deontay. Deontay was already on the team. So you know what, Ben? You came through. We make fun of you. Uh, mostly it's just George, our boss. Ian and I, we're not <laughs> Well, Ian does kind of because you haven't been on the show. If you came on the show, Ian wouldn't make fun of you anymore, Ben. Um, but so I appreciate you for you know for doing that. Coming through, All probably all three of those teams are going to win. Deontay's day and Ben's day could have been even bigger because I think you probably all saw it. Deontay dropped a Beautiful 35-yard yeah. score down the middle. I mean, Ben put this thing on a platter for Deontay to catch. One of the only times I can say that all season. This was truly a great deep ball, and Deontay dropped it. But he came back and had, like Dwayne said, eight catches, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. The guy has literally not finished as worse than the wide receiver 24 since week one. The floor is the ceiling, and the ceiling is the roof for Deontay Johnson. And I hope that you guys have him everywhere in fantasy because I can just say, and I know Dwayne can attack this too it is a great time watching Deontay week after week put up all those numbers I think that's about it uh only note so one of the things Harbaugh said at the end I like the decision to go for two in the first place but one point he brought up was because just how banged up their cornerback room is and unfortunately yeah. they have lost Marlon Humphrey seemingly for the season with a shoulder injury so yeah people you saw how Ben Roethlisberger looked against this secondary he really hasn't looked like that all year. So let's go ahead and get in the habit of playing wide receivers and quarterbacks against the Ravens down this stretch because they are not in a position to do much about it. And as I say that, I remember that they're playing the Browns next week. So let's hold that thought for two more weeks <laughs> and then we'll really start attacking this uh, Ravens secondary. Thank you, as always, everyone, for tuning in here. And I just want to note that today is actually the last day that you can get 40% off any PFF subscription if you use code CYBER40. You can get all of our locked article content, our player rankings, NFL and college football betting dashboards, our player prop tool, and much more. So, again, support the podcast. Go get a subscription that will help you be a smarter and better fancy real-life football fan alike. Promo code CYBER40 for 40% off any sub. Also, DraftKings football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. Promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sports with details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And as always, we invite you to go submit any cool questions you might have for Chris Collinsworth, you know, in regards to his playing days, working with Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football. Maybe you need to know about your financial future. You can submit those questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris and hear those answers on the Chris Collinsworth podcast and over at Western Southern's Instagram every single week. One more time, that is Western southern.com slash ask chris for watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember western southern you can rest assured on game day and shout out manscape we have a good deal for everyone right along the holiday season you can go to manscape.com and use code pff for 20 percent off and free shipping tis the season to load up on manscape products so get yourself your dad your brother and friends the best gift of all the manscape performance package 4.0 you'll find the signature lawnmower this electric trimmer has propriety advanced skin safe technology so you don't cut your nuts that sounds good to me sounds terribly painful i'm not trying to do that that's what the performance package 4.0 can do for you with manscape so again you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code pff Dwayne, it's week 13 we're gonna do this again in week 14 15 and 16 and we're not going to do after week 17 because if you psychos are playing in a fancy championship in week 18 that's your fault and i'm not gonna you know do this for that because that is your fault so maybe <laughs> i'll change my tune on that but that sounds pretty good to you right Dre? we got three more weeks of this sounds that's fair good to me come on yep. it's um, week 18 like that's why i don't give kicker analysis that's it's your fault exactly. i'm not going to help you do something that you shouldn't be doing we did just get word on Adam Thielen. It sounds like it's a high ankle sprain. We talked so, about that, so you weren't listening to me. No, I heard you on the ankle sprain, <laughs> but it is a high ankle sprain. So did I miss that part, too? Uh, it's okay. Either way. We we, we kind of get delirious after talking. For like I, heard, I heard ankle sprain, but not high. Okay. So maybe you this, just was, this was only 14 minutes ago from Adam Schefter. Maybe you're the high so one. Maybe, but, 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 maybe, but maybe your inside sources like already tipped you off. I'll go back and listen to the tape. The tape doesn't lie. Someone's high here. That's all I know. <laughs> Dwayne and, I, <laughs> Dwayne and I will be back <laughs> on Tuesday, as usual, with our waiver wire review. On Wednesday, we'll be breaking down every single game ahead of week 14. On Thursday, I'm going to have a very special guest, Matt Kelly, the pod father himself, Roto Underworld player profiler. You know the guy. Plan on doing a great episode with him. We'll be back Friday with some DFS goodness, myself and Andrew Erickson. And then myself, Dwayne, and Andrew break down all the injuries on Friday night, and you can find that Saturday morning at the latest wherever you listen to your podcast. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 